to 56. So I'm going to read from God's precious word. It's Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul, soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will be, call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from the thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is God's word. Thank you, uh, Trish, for reading God's word to us. Let's, uh, let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. As we look at this beautiful song of Mary, that we will reflect upon who you are, Lord, and who your son is, and the greatest gift that you've given to us in Christ. Amen. Uh, before I start, there is an extra set of notes here for anyone. I've distributed some, but there is one set here. If you want to uh, collect it, it's at the front table here, all right? So just make your way at the front and collect. Well, friends, here we are today, once again, an opportunity for us to hear God's word an opportunity to be encouraged, an opportunity for us to think, reflect upon uh, Christmas. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, we're looking at the Christmas uh, story, uh, the Ad Advent series, and today we're going to look at uh, a very special song based on Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55. <coughs> and so this morning we will be looking at this text, which is known as Mary's Magnificent. I have, I must say, in all my ministry for many years, I've actually not, in fact, preached on this uh, song. It's kind of escaped me, I don't know why, but uh, as soon as I've looked at this song and prepared for this week, uh, it's kind of been a great encouragement to me. I've had to stop a few occasions, reflect upon what this song is about, and be encouraged in my own faith as well, and I trust that it'll be the same for us this morning. Friends, this, this word, magnificent, is a Latin word, which means to enlarge or to make big. It has come to be known as the Magnificat, which is taken from uh, the first word of the hymn in the Latin version. Uh, I'll say it in Latin, Magnificat Anima Mia Dominium. Now, I'm not trying to boast of my Latin. I did study Latin for about three years. It's been a long time. But it essentially means this, my soul magnifies the Lord. And so that's what we see in this passage this morning. And I want you to please keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1 as we work our way through uh, this passage. Now Mary's song is the first of four 
nativity hymns in the Gospel of Luke. We have Mary's song, the Magnificat, Zachariah's song, the Benedictus. We have the angel's song, you know, that one glo Gloria, you know, choirs try and sing that. Well, choirs sing that. Some of us try to sing it. And Simeon's song, the Nunc Dimittis. Now, there is one writer who identifies these four Christmas carols as the last of the Hebrew Psalms and the first of the Christmas hymns. And so these songs appear only in the Gospel of Luke. And so Dr. Luke has included these lyrics to show us what God has done in Christ. And so we sing Christmas carols, don't we? Have you put your Christmas carols on already at home? Yes or no? Some of you have. I see you nodding. Okay. Uh, we have put some of our carols on as well because I think it's good. It's a good reminder to us of who our great Savior is and God's gift to us at Christmas time. So these songs appear in the Gospel of Luke and Luke has included this to show us everything that God has done and the meaning of the coming of Christ from Mary's perspective, from Zechariah's perspectives, the angels singing Gloria and Simeon's song. And so this morning we will look at Mary's Magnificat, as I said, and we see in this song that it is a song of gospel joy. It is a song, or it might be called a hymn of the incarnation, that is God becoming flesh. It is the first song of Christmas. It is the first song of the incarnation, that is God becoming man. And the message of Christmas is both a miracle and it's a marvel. It's a mystery, it's a miracle, and it's a marvel. And we have that in this song as well. It is a song of praise to our God. Now Mary's Magnificat is well structured. It is theologically sound. It spans redemptive history. The song is woven with either quotes from or alludes to the Old Testament. We heard Brian's prayer this morning. Did you detect in his prayer, woven in his prayer, parts of scripture as well? Right. And in this hymn, we have a, a direct reference or it alludes to the Old Testament. We find in it many references to the Psalms, to Hannah's prayer, to the book of Exodus, to the book of Genesis, and to other books as well. And so we may wonder, how was it possible for Mary, a young teenager, as I said, probably around 13 years of age, mentioned that last week, how is it possible for a teenager of around that age to compose such a beautiful and theologically sound, redemptive song? Have you thought about that? How is it possible? See, there are those who say that Mary could not have composed this brilliant song. They argue that this is too theological and too structural, and therefore Mary could not have composed such a song as a teenager. So how was Mary able to compose this song? You see, friends, we need to keep in mind that the system of education in Israel was that children were taught from childhood the sacred writings. For example, Timothy was taught the scriptures 
from his grandmother and from his mother in the home. And so to parents here this morning, that's a wonderful reminder to us that as parents, we have a great honor and great responsibility to read God's word to our children, to teach them God's word, because that is foundational. If you're a parent with, with young children, start reading to them God's word. Get the word into their hearts and into their lives, because that word will grow and become powerful in their lives. So Mary would have learned the scriptures at home. She would have learned the scriptures at the synagogue. She is 13 years approximate of age. And so we also need to keep in mind that Mary would have been inspired by the Holy Spirit with these words, just like the Holy Spirit inspired the prophets. And so Mary's Magnificat is a masterpiece, I believe, composed by Mary of praise to God and rejoicing in God her Savior. And so let's look at this beautiful song, as I've titled it, Mary's Christmas Song. Why is she magnifying the Lord? There are two points that I want to basically look at this morning, and they are as follows. The personal reasons and the prophetic reasons. The personal reasons and the prophetic reasons. So let's keep our Bibles open, as I said, to this passage. Let's look at 46, 47. Uh, Mary said, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary says, my soul, the, the Greek word that is used there is the word makes great. Or it, it could signify enlarging. Right. So Mary makes great the Lord, or magnifies the Lord, or enlarges the Lord. My soul enlarges the Lord. My soul makes big the Lord. Makes big the Lord. Mary had just heard the news from the angel Gabriel that she will bear the son of the Most High. She visits her cousin Elizabeth, chapter 1, Luke. And after, meeting, after their meeting, Mary comes out with a song in response to the most amazing news ever delivered by God through the angel Gabriel. And Mary says, my soul magnifies, enlarges, makes big my God. Everything in her being. Notice that her soul magnifies the Lord. Her total being is involved here. She is interested in giving praise to God. She wanted God to be great and not herself. And she could hardly contain herself. And so she expresses her, her thoughts with her lips. Her soul magnifies him. And then we read that her spirit rejoices in God her Savior. She was conscious of her humble state as we see in her song. And therefore she rejoices in God her Savior. She confesses her faith. This is a profession of faith in her God. She believed in God, her Savior, and she rejoiced in her salvation. Soul and spirit, I believe, refers to the same thing. In fact, uh, she rejoices. The word that is used there is to exult, to rejoice exceedingly. It is an exuberance. It is an exciting exuberance. 
because she has experienced and she sees her God as a Savior. And so that brings in her a great rejoicing because this is the Savior of her soul, of her being, of her entire person. And so it brings joy and rejoicing, friends. Does it do that to you this morning? Do you rejoice in God, your Savior? Are you rejoicing in the fact that no matter what happens in life, that we can rejoice in our God because He is our Savior? This past week, it's an extremely sad week from a personal point of view, um, I work, as you know, with, uh, with Victoria Police as their chaplains. Our secretary was uh, suffering with cancer. She died past week. I had a gardener who came and attended to my parents' garden in, in, in Berry. Only two weeks ago, I spoke to him on the phone. I couldn't get down there, so I spoke to him and said, how is it going with your work? Is the garden looking good? No worries, Chris. It's all shaped up. I've done all the pruning. It's quite good. I'll come back next month and uh, keep the gardens well for your parents. Great. Thank you. I called him just this past week. I think on Wednesday. His wife took the phone and she was in tears. Absolute tears. Said, Chris, so and so died. He came home after work, watched TV, ate food, went to bed, Five o'clock, the alarm went on. He didn't get up. So I went to wake him up. I fed my baby. We have three children. The eldest is only four and a half years old. And so, and his name, and she said, he died. He was only 30. Only 30. And she was in tears. And I said to her, look, <coughs> I said, I will pray for you. As a young mother, it must be hard for you. And she said, I'm a Christian. I didn't know that when I got this guy. And the services in such and such a church, and I would appreciate your prayers, Chris. But I'm a believer. You see what I'm saying? In the midst of all the tragedies and the uncertainties and the complexities of life, I, I, I'm, I'm working on this text when I, get the, when I called and I heard this news and I said to Rose when she, you know, in the evening, this is life. This is life. Never again, I said to myself, never will I get up in the morning and say, oh no, I've got to get up again when that alarm clock goes. Right? Because I want to say, God, thank you that, that I've heard the alarm clock and I'm actually getting up. Correct? Because I have no guarantee that I go to bed tonight and I'll be up tomorrow morning. Do you? Do you have that guarantee? You don't. So never grumble when the alarm goes off. That's the, another part of the thing, isn't it? And so your Mary is rejoicing in the God of her salvation. The God, her Savior. We'll see more of that. You see, Mary, she's excited about her God, her Savior. She could have sat down and thought to herself, now what's going to happen to me? I'm supposed to get married, and now all my plans are messed up by you, O oh God. What have you done to me? She did not do that. Instead, she magnified her Lord. 
and rejoiced in the God of her salvation. What a response of a girl about 13 or 14 years of age. What a profession of faith. What a testimony and what a model believer she is and was to all of us. To Mary, it was all about God and she magnifies him and rejoices in the God of her salvation. So to teenagers here this morning, don't think that you're so too young to understand the scriptures, right? Because God's word is given to you. And you ought to be able to see the redemptive work of God right through history. And to those who are elderly here as well, we have no excuse, right? To know our Bibles, to know the history of our God, to know the redemptive plan of God in bringing about salvation. Rejoice in it, friends. That's why we meet here this morning, right? That's why we meet on the Lord's Day. We, we have our growth groups. We fellowship with each other. We, we sing. We rejoice. We have all our musical instruments here. We have the guys in the sound desk behind doing a sound job. Did you get that pun? You're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> Not at them, at my joke, okay? Uh, we have these guys doing their work. Yeah, we have the board of management maintaining our facilities here. All of that because of this great God, this great salvation that we have in this God. To Mary, it was all about her God. And so we get a glimpse of her soul and of her faith. You know, the well-known and ba the Baptist, great Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he said this. What is this? Okay. He said this, I like sometimes to leave off praying and singing and to sit still. And just gaze upward till my inmost soul has seen my Lord. Then I say, he is inexpressibly lovely. Yea, he is altogether lovely. Friends, is he lovely to you this morning? She magnifies the Lord and rejoices in her Savior. And so this morning I trust that we will also take some time to reflect upon who our Savior is this Christmas season. Now let's move on to verses 48 and 50. Mary says, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will be called blessed. Verse 49, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Her words, my dear friends, echo the words of Hannah in the Old Testament. Mary's song as tones of the beautiful prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2, which we read this morning. See, Hannah was barren, and God opened her womb, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. What was her son's name? Samuel, right? And so we read of her words in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Let me just highlight some of them this morning. Okay, 1 Samuel 2, 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exults in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Now look at Mary. Mary's words. Mary says, My soul magnifies, magnifies the Lord. Hannah, my heart exults in the Lord. Mary, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Hannah, I rejoice in your salvation. And then, 
in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2, there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. And Mary, for he who is mighty has done great things, and holy is his name. And then again, 1 Samuel chapter 2, 7 and 8b, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the airship. He to, to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. Mary, in verse 52 of our text, he, Mary says he has lifted the humble. So we see the resemblance of Hannah's prayer in Mary's magnificent, don't we? Notice verse 48, friends. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, and behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. You see, Mary is humble. She says, God lifts the humble. You see, our God is a God of the humble. We know that Mary humbled herself before the Lord. We see this, for example, in her response to the angel Gabriel. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. You see, friends, this is humility before God. This is submission to him. Not my purposes, Lord, but let your purposes be fulfilled in my life according to your word. I am the servant of the Lord. Have you, uh, what a prayer to pray, isn't it? Lord, let your purposes be accomplished in my life. How are you spending your life? How are you spending your life, friends? Have you been able to pray a prayer like this? Lord, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I humble myself before you. You see, she could have never imagined how God had been kind to her. She says, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why? Was it because of some egotistic journey that she's going on? No. She's a privileged girl to bear the son of the Most High. Think about it. As I was writing this, I was thinking about it. Think about Jesus. He would have had the features of Mary. Would he not? There would have been glimpses of Mary in him. His face would have had those, some kind of features of his mother. He would have had a complexion, a skin. She was his mother. Now she is blessed. But there's more than that. She celebrates that the Son of the Most High is going to come through her womb. And now all generations will call her blessed because of the child she bears. Every parent, when a child is born, what do they say? Parents ask me, now who do you think this child looks like, Chris? Now, if the mother is there and the father is there, what am I supposed to say? It looks like both of you. <laughs> but really, that's not what they're looking for, right? Oh, look, at, look at those features. Mm, looks like the mother. The father might get upset. Oh, no, it looks like the father. And every parent delights, I, I suppose, when they see the features of their child. They say, oh, wow, that's a little bit of resemblance of me there. 
When I stand next to my son, they wonder who that guy is. <laughs> There's no resemblance in terms of the height. <laughs> right. But you see what I'm saying? When Mary sees, him, sees herself as blessed. But there's more than that, the features. Blessed because she bears the child of God. And then, 49 and 50. Three divine perfections of God is mentioned by Mary. Have a look at the beautiful friends. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. His might or his power, his holiness and his mercy. His might, Mary is reflecting upon God's power. The most amazing power is this. Right? In verse 35, 135. And the angel said to her, or answered that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This is the most amazing, mighty work of God. I can go on as well in other circumstances in the Old Testament. Notice that God is holy. Holy is his name. God's holiness describes his very essence. It is the very backdrop of his personality. It's a very backdrop of his essence. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Where is the text from? Three times God's holiness is mentioned. Anyone? Isaiah chapter 6, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. God's holiness. She celebrates his holiness. She celebrates his mercy. Look at verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Here's another echo from Psalm 103 verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting and his righteousness to children's children. Do you see a similarity? Comparison here. Psalm 103, I told you, it's woven with scripture. What a blessing, friends. Undeserved favor. And now let's move on to the prophetic reasons we have in 51 to 55. Have a look at that passage before us this morning. It's, it says here in our text, verse 51, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down mighty, the mighty from their thrones. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has helped his servant Israel. And then in verse 55, As he spoke to our fathers Abraham and to his offspring forever. This section, this section is all about God, his plan and purposes, the past, the present, and the future. There are echoes of the Old Testament. What did God do to the Egyptians? He dealt with them, right? Remember the Exodus account? God delivered his people with his arm, his strength. How did God deal with the proud one example was Nebuchadnezzar. What happened to him? Remember the story? The proud king Nebuchadnezzar, he was walking on the balcony. God struck him. Struck him with a, with a, with a sickness that it's pronounced like this. It's called bone tropy. That is, he began to behave like an animal. God brought him down. But notice also, he also fills those who are hungry, the world. Now I was thinking about that. We have poverty in this world, right? But God provides his natural resources. Think about the sunshine, the rain, the plants, the food. He provides in his natural grace. 
but there is spiritual hunger here as well. He fills us with every good thing. Friends, if you're a Christian here this morning, then God fills you with every blessing. Do you believe that? Every blessing is yours in Christ. Nothing will he be told. Nothing. All is yours. And he fills us with every good thing as we trust him. Our problem is we are trusting other things, aren't we? We are chasing after the wind, as it were. Will it ever satisfy you? It will never satisfy you, friends. If you are not living in the center of the will of the Lord, and you are living for yourself only, you will never ever be satisfied. Because you will be going from one thing to another and never satisfied, always looking backwards, always being negative. Nothing is positive. Nothing goes through because everything you have, it kind of goes through like holes in a pocket. Because you're not satisfied in him. Our greatest joy is to be satisfied in him. And in him alone will you find full satisfaction. To those of us who are married, we thank God for our spouses. But at the, at the end of the day, you and I will never be able to satisfy, I'm talking now for myself, never be able to satisfy my spouse in all my fullness. I can't do it. Only Christ will fulfill that. Only he can give ultimate satisfaction. Am I right with that? <laughs> Come and see me afterwards and challenge me on that. I can do everything humanly possible, but I can never, ever fully satisfy Rose or the kids. I can't do it. Only Christ can. And he can give them the best ever that I can only dream of. And every wife and husband and parent can only dream of. Only Christ can satisfy you. And so friends, as we move on, here we see this, this, this Mary, she comes, she, she, she cries, and then she prophesies about Christ. And you might say, well, where do I see this? Whilst Mary spoke in the past tense, she was also speaking about the future. And how do we see this? Look at verses 44 and 45. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, so Abraham and to his offspring. Have a look, friends. As God had helped Israel, his people in the past, now in remembrance of his mercy, of his kindness, he is fulfilling his promise to send the Messiah, his son, the son of the Most High, for Jesus is Israel's promised Messiah. And she takes us back to Abraham. Abraham, to Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And then... I will bless those who bless you, and those who dishonor you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How is that going to happen? The point here, I'm, I'm just going very quickly through this. We could go on with another message here. The point is this, that many will receive God's blessing through the seed of Abraham. And what Mary is saying here is that God who promised years and years away, go, be, uh, back, 
In Genesis 12, salvation through Abraham is now bringing the salvation promise to pass in and through her life with with his son to be born through her. And we know that Abraham himself was justified by faith and so also to all who place their faith in Jesus Christ. And the thing is this, that as Christians, we are the spiritual seed of Abraham. As we conclude this morning, friends, Mary saw all the redemptive history as fulfilled in his son. What a blessing. And Mary knows too well that her, that her son is also her savior. We do not worship Mary. We do not do that. Because Mary herself knew she needed the savior. But never let her, never play down her role in in redemptive history. She is the most significant woman in redemptive history. She will be called blessed, but Mary worshiped the Lord. She placed her faith in Christ. Jesus is Mary's savior. So we do not worship Mary. Her son, God's son, is the redeemer. Martin Luther said this, and I will close. The great works and deeds of God, uh, this is what Luther said about Mary's song. Mary's song was about the great works and deeds of God, for the strengthening of our faith, for the comforting of all those of low degree, and for the terrifying of all the mighty ones of earth. We are to let the hymns serve this threefold purpose, for she sang it not for herself alone, but for us all to sing it after her. For the strengthening, the great works and deeds of God, for the strengthening of our faith, for the comforting of all those of low degree, for the terrifying of all the mighty ones on earth, we are to let the hymn serve this threefold purpose. For she sang it not for herself alone, but for us all to sing it after I pray that this child, this precious Jesus Christ that Mary had the privilege to bring to the world, our Savior, our Redeemer, he went to the cross, he died on the cross, he rose again from the dead, and he will come one day, and we will see him as he is. So friends, we have a reason to celebrate the Christ of Christmas, yeah? When you have family gatherings, um, remember to pray. Uh, We had a big gathering yesterday in our home, and some of you are having some today. And I prayed yesterday, and I said, Lord, help us to remember the reason for the season, the Christ of Christmas. Now, I'm not saying I did something spectacular there, but if you've got non-Christian friends, families around us as well, it's important to remember to bring Christ into the focus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful song. But most of all, we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus, whom Mary had the privilege to bring to this world. Help us, Lord, to remember the Christ of Christmas. And help us to sing from our own hearts to you, Lord. A Christmas song to you this morning. 
Help us to compose a song ourselves as we look upon your grace in our lives, your kindness, your mercy to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to sing.